Well, that song could just about take you uh, into uh, depression. <laughs> I was sitting back there. It's like, wow. Um, asked the band. I said, you know, let's get something that's a little bit dark because today that's the topic. Uh, we've been looking at the doors, and we've been talking about some of the doors that you go through in life. And we, we've talked about the door of discouragement, uh, a door of adversity that, that we go through. Uh, the door of depression, and today what I want to do is look at a door that you go through and you get wounded. You know, it's those times in life when you step through and all of a sudden you get pounded, you get hurt. Um, And I believe when you go through that door that you have a couple choices to make in, in your life. And we've talked about the importance of turning to God. And today what I want to do is kind of take it up a notch because I want to talk about not only turning to God, but I want to look at how do you worship when you've been wounded, when, when you've been hurt. And the fact is, every one of us here has been wounded at some point in our life. Maybe you come today with, with wounds and uh, Sometimes they're physical wounds, sometimes they're emotional wounds, sometimes they're relational, sometimes they're spiritual. Um, And some of those wounds are are deep in in our lives. And I I bet you were taught, just like I was as a kid, a little little saying, and if you know it, you can jump in with me, sticks and stones break my bones, but names will never hurt me. It's a lie. It's a lie. The fact is that you remember those hurts in life. I do not remember most of my bumps and bruises that I got. Uh, If I've got scars, I can remember because I look at the scar and it reminds me. But the fact is, you do remember the put-downs in life. You do remember what people have said through the years. You know, things like, you're never going to amount to anything. You're a loser. You're worthless. And and those things stick. I mean, they they stick with you and they hang. And so what do you do? What do you do when you're wounded? What do you do when you're wounded by a a person, by someone's words, by a a situation? And that's what I want to look at, some things that you can do to kind of get a handle on those wounds. And we're going to look at the life of Job uh, Job is an extremely wealthy guy. He, he's wise. Uh, he's a good man. You know, he lives life right. And his life changes. In a 24-hour period of time, he loses almost all his family. He loses his wealth. He ultimately loses his health. And to be honest, Job's deeply wounded. I mean, as you read the story, it's incredible. And you would think at the amount of loss that that he dealt with, that he would have lost it at some point. He would have resented it. He maybe would have unleashed all of his anger on on God. But Scripture says this, Job 36. It says, hard times and trouble are God's way of getting our attention. At the very moment, God deeply desires to lead you from trouble and to spread your table with your favored foods. With your favorite foods. I'm thinking lattes, Cinnabons, you know, things like that. Uh, 
That would, that would be uplifting to me. Um, but here's the point. When you are wounded by a situation, by a, a person, whatever, however the wound happened, the, the fact is God's waiting to turn that around. God's waiting to help you get through it. You know, God's there to, to help you grow and, and to provide a blessing in your life. You know, those times when your heart's breaking, when you've been crushed, when you're in a crisis, when you, you feel a little bit confused, you're not sure which way is up, uh, life appears to be out of control, maybe, maybe you have that feeling that it's the darkest days of your life. Friends, that's when you need God. That's when we need God. You, you need God in the midst of that. And I know, just anytime you have the kind of numbers that, that we have here, somebody went through a crisis this week. Somebody got wounded. There are people that are still reeling from something in their past that they've been carrying for a long time. And in fact, if we were honest, some of you have been carrying the wounds your entire life. And they're deep. And they're defining. And what I want to do is talk about how do we get relief from that? How do we find freedom, or maybe more specifically, how do we find healing in our life? I mean, how do you worship when you've been wounded? You know, first thing is, I believe we've got to take it to God. And we've been saying this, and uh, you're going to notice a theme as we continue to go through these doors of life that we talk about connecting with God, because we need to tell God exactly how we feel. It's part of the grieving process. Uh, whenever you go through a situation, maybe somebody took a shot at you or you've been unfairly criticized or maybe they stabbed you in the back. I, I don't know. But when you, you suffer that loss, whatever it is, you've got to tell God how you feel. You know, Job, he, he gets advice from his friends. Now, I'm going to tell you, it's about like real life here, our lives. Sometimes you get good advice and sometimes you get bad advice, all right? But his friends, they weren't a whole lot different. But one of his friends, uh, Eliphaz, he, he gives him some good advice. And in Scripture, it says that if I were you, I would call on God and bring my problems before him. When you're hurting, when you're confused, when you're angry, when you're struggling, you've got to turn to God. You got to turn to God. We we have to learn to kind of upload our our feelings to God, to trust God with what what's going on in your heart and in your mind. And do you realize that when you have that connection with God and you're sharing that even if those are negative feelings, that is an act of worship to communicate with God. And that's what Job did. He communicated with God. Verse 20, it says, Job stood up, he tore his robe in grief. Uh, that's traditional Middle, Middle East. Uh, it's a tradition that they would tear their clothing. And it was kind of a symbol or a sign to everyone of their, their anger, of their grief, of their sorrow. What it, what, when they would have a great loss, and they still do that today in the Middle East, they, they will tear their garments you know, I'm thinking I'm going to wear a really bad shirt that day, you know. But, uh, you know, it was a sign. It says, he, he shaved his head. Yeah, I'm not going there. Um, <laughs> mine's just going to fall out, I think. But uh, and it says, he fell to the ground and worshipped. 
when you're wounded, there are feelings involved. And there are really four feelings that you've got to get a handle on. Uh, one's anger. You know, why is this happening? I don't like what's happening to me. And so when, when we get angry, whether it be at a person or a situation that's hurt us, we kind of unload. And, and so there's a lot of anger involved. Uh, there's a sense of shock sometimes, you know, uh, that sense of disbelief. I can't believe this is happening to me. You know, why is this happening to me? And then there's just the grief that sense of loss. You know, I've lost a relationship. I've lost a friendship. I've lost credibility. I've lost my confidence. Whatever it is, there's a sense of losing. And then there's fear. Real fear. It's that fear like, what's going to happen next? You know, am I going to be able to stand back up? What's going to knock me back down? And the the fact is, you got to tell those feelings to God. you got to share them with God. God did not make your body to, to store negative emotions. Did you know that? You're not, you're not equipped for it. You, the fact is, when you swallow your anger, your depression, your confusion, when, when you take the fears and you push them down, when you swallow those emotions guess what? Your stomach keeps count. It says, I'm not made for this. The body hemorrhages inside. It tears, tears you apart. And so what I want to say to you is, if you don't take it to God, you're going to take it out on your body. It will physically show. It's kind of like taking a, a, a can of soda and shaking it up. You shake it up long enough, what happens when you open it? It explodes. It spews. You know, the fact is you'll eventually take it out on yourself, someone you love around you, those closest to us, or you'll ultimately take it out on God, but you will take it out somewhere in heavy dividends. You know, be honest with God and say, you know what, God, I don't like this. This isn't how life is supposed to be. This isn't working for me. You know, this is a lot to deal with. Here's what I love about God. God can handle it. God can handle it. You you are made in the image of God. I say that often to you. But you're made in the image of God, and God has emotions. We're told in Scripture that God loves, that God gets angry, that God gets jealous, that God grieves, that God even weeps. And so God understands your emotion. You you can spell it out and say, you know what, I'm afraid, I'm angry, I'm questioning things. Uh, You know, you can complain to God. Anybody ever do that? And you know what? God can handle it. That's what I love about God. And I love the fact that Job is honest with God. He, He is very authentic. What you see is what you get. And he told God exactly how he felt. You know, verse 11 of chapter 7, he says, I can't be quiet. I'm angry. I'm bitter. And I have to speak. Job's had all these bad things happen in his life. His family's wiped out. He, he loses everything that, that financially that he had. Um, and then his body begins to, to fall apart. And he says, you know what? I'm angry. I'm bitter. 
And Job is just honest. And it's interesting as you read through the story of his life or the journal of what he went through, he kind of starts out confused and he expresses that confusion. And then he thinks about it a little while. And then as he thinks about it, he starts complaining to God. And he's processing all this stuff. And then it goes a little further. And Job even gets a little little bite to what he has to say. He starts accusing God. You know, saying, you know what, God? This isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't fair. But God handles it. Why? Well, I, I think it's because in all Job's venting, and all his ranting and raving and, and complaining, he never stopped trusting God. I mean, Job questioned, he doubted at times, he got mad, he unloaded, but he kept trusting God. He kept turning to God, saying, you know what, this is how I feel. And God says, tell me more, it's okay. You know, when you're, when you're wounded, hear this, the correct response is not, and I know Christians, they, for some reason they want to go down this line, and it's like, well, I'm just supposed to grin and bear it. No, I'm going to stuff it down. No. You know, sometimes people, they get these pious platitudes, you know, you know what I'm saying? They say things that they don't really mean, but it sounds right. You know, you're not supposed to say what you think you ought to say. You're supposed to express what's on your heart. Be honest. Honesty is what? The best policy. And that's true with God also. At the end of the book, uh, the end of... Uh, Toward the end of him wrestling through all of his stuff, uh, things are starting to turn around for Job. And I, and I love it because he's with his friends. And God's talking to Job. Now, how cool would this be? Have all your friends around and God go, Hey, <laughs> just wanted to tell you something, Job. I love you because you're so honest. You're so authentic so real. I, I think that's why God loved Job so much was that he was just, he just opened up. And here's my question to you. What do you need to take to God today? What is it that's been frustrating you that, that you haven't been honest with God about? What is it that's getting the best of you? You know, is it your health? Is it, is it your job? Is it a relationship you have or a relationship you don't have? You know, is it, is it finances? I mean, what is that thing that you just need to take to God? Because, friends, when part of worship is taking stuff to God. It's being honest with God about the pain. Here's the second step. After you take it to God, you need to honor God in your pain. That's curious. I mean, what's that mean? It means that we praise God in spite of the circumstances. See, first we admit how we feel. We tell God. We're, we're honest with God in the middle of uh, our pain, in the middle of all that hurt, all that garbage. We tell God how we feel, but then we are to take and praise God in the midst of it. And it, hear, hear me on this. I'm not saying go to God and go, wow, thanks for the problems. No, I'm saying that a piece of us living out our faith is praising God as we go through 
whatever it is we're going through. The, the whole story of Job is about one question. Will Job worship God if he loses everything? That one question is what the entire book's about. And, and here's my question to you. If you lost everything, would you still worship God? See, I, I'm convinced, and, uh, and part of it's just watching people, but it is easy, it is easy to worship God when everything's going your way, when life is sunny, when, when you got lots of money, when, when your spouse is perfect and everything's falling in line. It's easy, however, to be a fair-weathered believer when things aren't going your way, you know. See, it's easy when it's going your way. You know, I believe in God. I trust God. That's easy to say. But what happens when things go south? What happens when they don't go your way? What happens when they fall apart? I mean, what if you lost everything today like that? Would you still trust God? Would you still praise God in spite of your circumstances? Because that's the ultimate test of faith. You know, and, and hear this, we will all be tested on some level. At some point, you will be tested in your life. Things will fall apart. They won't happen the way that you want them to happen. And the fact is, maybe today, maybe you're going, yeah, you're right on that one. You know, boom, what hit me? You know, what was that? It's a test. Will you trust God? I mean, how do you praise God? When you're wounded, when your heart's breaking, when you're not sure which way's up. Well, I think we do what, what Job did. Job 1, 21, 22 says, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I shall have nothing when I die. Boy, that's a mouthful, isn't it? The Lord gave me everything I have, and they were his to take away. In other words, I brought nothing into the world. I take nothing out of the world. It's just alone. In all this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Hmm. Scripture go, goes on, and uh, you know we we sing a song. Um, I didn't sing it today, but uh, you know you give and take away, you give and take away. But my heart will choose to say, "Blessed be God. Blessed be His name." It's God's. God can take it away. You know, how could Job say that? How could Job understand that? How was he able to, to comprehend and to live that out? I think it's because he understood a very fundamental truth. It all belongs to God. It all belongs to God. That enabled him to praise God. You know, the fact is, no matter what's going on in your life at any given time, no matter how bleak it may be, there's something to praise God about. And I find the older that I get, when, when I was young, I thought, you know what, life is about highs and lows. And the, a little bit of that's true, but here, here's where you kind of grow up at some point. And that is, no matter how bad things are, not everything is bad. And no matter how good things are, not everything is good. Right? 
I mean, if you figured that out, that you get a mixture. Sometimes a little more of this, sometimes a little less. But, you know, the fact is you've got both those things happening in your life all the time. And, And so what do you thank God for when things are going bad? You know, Job's life's spinning out. And he says... I can praise God. I can thank God, even, even when I lost it all. Even when I lost everything. And it's interesting, throughout, as he's going through all this turmoil in his life, in 10.12, he says, you know, God is good and loving. Uh, 36.22, he says, God is all-powerful, even though his life's falling apart. 23.10, he says, God notices everything, every little detail of my life. 34.13 says, God's in control, even though his life felt like it was out of control. You know, 23.14, he says, God has a plan for my life. He understood, he praises God in the situation he finds himself. There's another Old Testament figure, Habakkuk, and uh, he thanks God in the, in the middle of his pain. I like what he writes. Let this sink in. His his world's coming undone. He says, even though the fig trees have no fruit, and there are no grapes on the vine, even though there's no olive oil, and the crops fail, and the fields fail to produce grain, even though all my sheep die, and there are no cattle in the stall, listen, I shall be joyful and glad. The Lord is my Savior. Wow. Habakkuk's going through some awful stuff. But he made a choice to be joyful. Now notice, I didn't say he made a choice to be happy. Happiness depends on your circumstance. It depends on happenings in your life. If you have a good time... You're happy. If you don't have a good time, you're not happy. It depends on what's happening in your life. And I'm going to say something, and I'm going to put some of you on tilt big time right now. Immature people, immature people, try and find happiness in life. See, because it's based on the circumstance. What's going on? This makes me happy. And that's immaturity. Mature people learn to live lives of joy. In other words, joy is a choice. If you choose to rejoice, even though things are bad, even though things are rough, even though you're getting beaten up, if you choose to be joyful, it changes everything. It changes your whole perspective on life. God, even if there's no fruit, even if there's no return on all the work, Even if it looks like everything's drying up in my life, I'm still going to trust you and praise you. That's a mark of maturity. And so I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you earlier. If you were to lose everything, bottom drops out, would you still praise God? Would you still be like Job? Would you still honor God in the midst of that pain? And here's here's the third thing. You need to ask God. So you've vented to God. You've talked to God about what's going on. Now you need to ask God for wisdom and strength. After after you take it to him, after you admit what what you, you feel in your heart, 
after you're, you've made a commitment to honor God as you go through the pain, to, to trust Him and praise Him no matter what, in, in the midst of that, ask God for strength and wisdom. There's something I figured out. When, when I get rocked in my life, when I get wounded, I don't think straight. And neither do you. In fact, I get a little skewed. And I start thinking about how to retaliate, how to get revenge, how to fix someone. And not in a good way, by the way. And you know what I need more than anything? Wisdom. Godly wisdom. Job uh, 12, 13, he says, True wisdom and real power belong to God. From Him we learn how to live and also what to live for. James writes this, he says, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to everyone generously. You know, after you ask for wisdom, then you've got to ask for power. Because you need strength to do the godly thing, to do what God asks you to do in the midst of that. The psalmist writes, Psalms 37, 39, says the Lord saves those who are right with him, and he is their strength in times of trouble. You know, do you know that when you're wounded, and you're going through all this turmoil, God's waiting to give you strength? God's waiting to help you out? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, you need to understand something. Because I think there's misinformation. Like, you become a Christian, everything's supposed to be great. And the fact is, you're going to have the same kind of problems everybody else has. You're not exempt from it. The fact is, you're going to battle through a lot of garbage in life. But the difference, if you're a Christian, the difference is that you have the option... And it is an option. God's not going to force you to take it. But you have an option to tap into God's wisdom, to tap into God's strength. You have an opportunity to to know what you ought to do and what God's calling you to do. And you have the opportunity to receive the power through the Holy Spirit to do it. God's just waiting to help you. I mean, God's waiting to step in and make a difference. And if you're not doing that, if you're wounded... Your heart's hurting, you're confused, you're in a crisis, and you're not worshiping and asking God for wisdom and strength. I can tell you something about you. You probably don't sleep well. You know how I know that? Because it's human, it's the way we function as humans. Some of you haven't been sleeping well. For weeks, maybe months. Why? Because you haven't asked God for wisdom and strength. And so what what you do is you toss and turn. You toss and turn. Your mind goes on overdrive. And you're not sure which way's up. And you're thinking of all these ways that you got hurt. And you've been wounded over and over and over. It goes in your mind. You know, why'd they do that? Why'd that happen? I can't believe this is happening to me. And it just owned you at some point. You know, doctors have discovered that uh, in different studies that they've done that when you worship together, like we did a little bit ago, singing together, even if you didn't sing, if you were just in the midst of it, that they find it actually relaxes you, that some of your heart rates went way down. That's a good thing. We slow down. I think that's partly why in the Ten Commandments, one of the big ten was 
on the seventh day were to take a Sabbath. It's to be a time of worship. It's to be a time of rest, a rhythm between rest and work. And, and it's allowing God to just slow us down just a little bit. Psalmist uh, writes in 3.5, says, I can lie down and go to sleep. And I can wake up again because the Lord gives me strength. You know, First Chronicles says, go to the Lord for help and worship Him. You know, when you're wounded, ask God for wisdom and strength. And here we go, this one we've talked about every week too. Join with others. You need to connect with other people. You, you, if you're going to handle the, the pain and the loss and the grief and the crisis and the problems, you need to understand you can't do it by yourself. You cannot do it by yourself. In fact, I'll be blunt. If you don't get a handle on connecting to other people, if you insist on suffering silently and you think that that's noble and good, you refuse to share with another person, it's going to mess you up because God hardwired you. God hardwired us to share our wounds to step up next to someone and to, to let them carry part of the load with us. I, I know it's human nature when you're wounded, human nature is to, to kind of coil in. You know, we get hurt, and what we do, we build barriers and we build walls around us, and pretty soon you don't realize it, but you're building a prison for yourself. And it traps you. You start saying things like, if you want to know what a wall looks like, I will never trust another man. I will never trust another woman. I will never trust another person. I will never get close to anyone again. And friends, that will keep you wounded. It will keep you from healing. See, at some point, you've got to open up. You've got to open up. Job's three friends, they, they hear about what's going on in Job's life, and they heard that he had lost everything. And his, his friends just show up. I love this. They just show up, and Scripture says that as Job was sitting on the ground, and he's in pain, and he's grieving, and he's hurting, and he's suffering from his illness, his three friends came, and they just sat with him for three days and didn't say a word. That's a true friend. You know, when, when someone loses a loved one, when someone has an accident, when you hear that dreaded word, cancer, when you lose a job, when a spouse walks, whatever, all a friend has to do in those moments is show up. Don't need to say anything. Don't, don't need to say one word. They just show up. Um, in fact, I, I would say to you, many times they don't want you to say anything. And they're not asking for advice, usually not at that point anyway. I mean, it would have been kind of dumb for Job's friends to show up after he's lost everything and they say like, well, Job, look on the bright side. There wasn't a bright side. It was dark. He'd lost everything. And so they didn't try and explain it. They didn't try and rationalize it. They didn't say, hey, cheer up, Job. They just sat silently with him. And I told you, some of his friends gave him good advice and bad advice. Uh, one of his friends, Elihu, uh, gave him some good advice. Uh, listen to this. He says, don't let your anger and the pain you endure make you sneer at God. Your reputation and your riches cannot protect you from distress. In other words, Job, you could be Job Blow, 
you could be Bill Gates, but you're still going to look funny in the hospital gown, you know? It's like, not going not gonna to be pretty. Because pain is the great equalizer in life. He goes on, he says, you know, be on your guard. Riches cannot protect you from distress, nor can you find safety in the dark world below. In other words, all your reputation, all of your money, all your stuff that you thought could protect you, it's not going to keep pain away from you. Don't turn to evil, he says, as a way of escape. And I find that interesting that his friend says that because what they're saying is, Job, don't turn to things of this world. Don't turn to the, the traditional things that people do to escape. You know, I'm in pain. I'll have an affair. You know, I'm lonely. I'll have a one-night stand. I'm hurting. I know, I'll do some drugs. I'll drink my way into oblivion. He says, don't do that. It doesn't work. He goes on and says, God's power. God's power is unlimited. He needs no teacher to guide or correct him. Others have praised God for what he has done. So join with them. So join with them. In other words, don't join the wrong group. Join those that are joined with God. When you're hurting, you need to be a part of a congregation like this and worship. Worship together. When you have a bad week, you need to make a point of doing everything you can to get with people who are praising God, who are worshiping God, who are lifting God up in their life. And I'm going to say this again. You've got to get in a small group. You've got to get connected you, you need that in life. Psalm 63, 2 says, So here I am, in the place of worship, eyes open, drinking in your strength and glory. I'm just going to take it in. One more thing. Keep on keeping on. Act of worship again. When you keep on keeping on, it's a form of living out your worship to God. Persistence, persistence, pushing through the pain and the hurt and the turmoil and all that is a form of prayer. It's a physical prayer. You know, sometimes when you're wounded, you you get bad advice. Anybody ever get bad advice? You're hurting and somebody gives you advice and you just go, man, that doesn't sound right. And, And I'm always telling you, get advice. The people close to you, Maybe even people that love you are going to give you advice. But I'm always telling you, find good advice, godly advice from righteous people. And by righteous, I don't mean this kind of thing. I'm talking about people that live it out. You look at their life and other people look at their life and say, you know what, I respect that person. Job got some bad advice. In fact, really bad advice from his wife. No comments, okay? We'll just kind of let that set. But he gets this bad advice. And uh, his wife says to him, Job's wife said to him, Are you still trying to maintain your integrity? Curse God and die. Wow, that's a little sharp tongue. Job replied, You talk like a godless woman. Love to have been there in that moment. (laughs) Should you accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad. In all this, Job did not sin and say anything against God. 
Now, I've read this story over and over and over through the years, and I think, okay, maybe Job's wife just got a really bad rap, you know, maybe she was trying to sympathize with him, and then, no. (laughs) It's just bad advice. And, And so... I think Job's response is one of the greatest statements of faith ever. Because if you read further in the conversation, verse 13, or verse 15 of chapter 13, he says, Though God slay me, yet will I trust him. Job says, You know what? Things may not work out, they may get worse. He says, I may die. I don't know. I can't see the future, but I'm going to trust God anyway. Would you, I mean, would you do that? The, the ultimate statement of faith, to say, even if I die, it all looks bad. But I don't know. God made me. God loves me. God has a plan for my life. I don't know what's ahead. Job says, I'm going to trust. And friends, that's a sign of maturity. Big time. I mean, what gave Job that kind of depth, that kind of faith, the kind of power to persist through the pain? Verse, chapter 19, verse 25. It says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the end, He will stand upon the earth. See, Job was looking forward. He was looking to the day that Jesus Christ would come to this earth and die on a cross. He was looking forward to the day of salvation. And Job understood something that I think is absolutely critical. And that is, even if this world's a mess, even if we carry a tremendous amount of pain and hurt, and brokenness in this world, that the victory was won on the cross. And Job looked to the day of salvation because he understood that his faith in Jesus Christ, his Redeemer, that ultimately what that meant was if he had his relationship right with Jesus and with God, that on the day of salvation, he'd secure a place in heaven, and that impacted his faith. Because then he was able to say, you know what, even if I live in pain, even if I hurt the rest of my life, it is relatively short in comparison to eternity. And so I'm banking on, and I'm putting my trust in God, because I'm going to be with my Redeemer someday in eternity. And there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more hurt, no more garbage. I won't have to deal with any of that stuff And I'm hanging on to it because, you know what? It is bigger than the here and now. And God's eternity, God has a plan for me. And that gives me hope. Now, I don't know where where you've been hurt, how you've been hurt. You know, I want to say, I'm sorry you're going through pain. I'm sorry you're hurting inside. But know this no matter where you've been hurt or how you've been hurt or what it is that you carry with you today, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, it changes everything. You know, if you put your trust in in other people, 
they will let you down. If you put your trust in yourself, you'd be disappointed. Because you know what? You're not smart enough, you're not strong enough, and you can't handle it all. You just can't. You've got to put your trust in Jesus Christ and look toward that future. Listen to these words. Jesus says, by trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. That's the fact. But take heart. Jesus says, I've conquered. I've conquered the world. There's a day coming. And we'll push all that stuff aside. I, I would challenge you to just, whatever your brokenness is today, as the band plays, you just stay seated. Just let God speak to you about whatever pain, whatever junk, garbage, crisis, struggle, whatever. And just hear, let God minister to you through these words.